Welcome everyone to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. My name is Colin and I am your host. This week's episode is with Carson Tuttle. He is a comedian in Iowa City. He is also a middle school teacher. We were able to discuss a variety of topics such as comedy because we know each other because of stand-up comedy, regret, failure, importance of time with friends and having friends that you can be your authentic self around as well as just living in the moment. And we also talked about the struggles of being a teacher and also the struggles of 7th and 8th graders that Carson teaches and what he has to deal with and how he deals with that in the environment today with all the technology and cell phones and things like that. So had a great conversation with Carson. He's a great guy, and I look forward to hanging out with him more in the future, and I look forward to hearing what you think of this podcast. So thank you for tuning in again. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Modern Day Overthinker podcast. We also had a guest appearance from George Michael, who is Carson's Shih Tzu. So if you hear some barking, that is why. Here is the latest episode with Carson Tuttle. podcast my name is colin and i'm your host today's guest is carson tuttle we're actually live from his home. well it won't be live when you see this but we're live at his <laughs> home right now which is great i got to try the uh in-home setup it actually worked i didn't forget any cables which is good that's good deal. yeah i'm glad you're here man <laughs> uh, you had an interesting week yeah it was a crazy a wild week, week. Yeah. yeah man so uh let's uh talk about you for a second introduce yourself give us like kind of the highlights of things that you do and uh we know each other through comedy and we'll go from there yeah sounds good man well yeah my name is carson tuttle i am a stand-up comedian here in iowa city uh, i've been doing stand-up for about seven years now uh i also host a monthly showcase here in iowa city that's called the red room comedy showcase been doing that for a year and i'm also a middle school teacher full-time and so I teach middle school and I do comedy as my passion and kind of do both of those things simultaneously, which is insane. <laughs> but I've been yeah. doing that for seven years. I've been a junior high teacher for nine years. And uh, yeah, I've known Colin for uh, probably about six months now, probably that we've actually known each other, yeah, known each other. Yeah. We've probably met each other for the first time about a year ago but become buddies these past six months and yeah man i'm excited to have you in the basement yeah sitting dude, on I'm the, the yellow lair. couch for once lair. yeah it is yeah this, is, this couch is awesome yeah it is awesome this is, how old is this thing dude it's really old it's so my wife's cheap. grandparents couch 
She said it was the couch that was in their lake house growing up. And so when they like moved to a new house and got rid of a bunch of stuff, this was like the one piece of furniture that she demanded. And it's also, you can probably tell by sitting on it, it's also a sleeper sofa. Okay. And we put like a new memory foam mattress in there. It's the heaviest shit you have ever carried. (laughs) This is staying in (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it used to be we were on a third floor apartment. And we had to move that up uh, two flights of stairs uh, to the third floor of that apartment. And when we moved here, we had to move it back down those flights of stairs. And then when we put it in our basement here at our house, we moved in this house about two years ago. I said, I'm never moving that couch again. Yeah. When we move the I couch, used to have a sleeper and <laughs> just a sleeper in general is already like. It feels like it weighs a thousand pounds. It's brutal. It's brutal, yeah. and uh, no one really wants to sleep on it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no. I mean, we've had a lot of people crash on that couch though over the years, but we actually we have a guest room now that has an actual bed in it. So yeah. uh, feel free to come over and sleep on the yellow couch anytime <laughs> you want. By the way, <laughs> it's open. There's not a whole lot of. It's va- it's vacant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's available. So yeah, man, I've. Uh, I've been doing comedy in Iowa City for like five years now. I moved to Iowa City five years ago. When I started doing stand-up, I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is my hometown. Okay. And uh, did that there from like fall of 2015 through summer of 2018. So like two and a half years, I did comedy in Nebraska. But that was when I was first starting out. I was like just doing open mics, barely doing any shows. Started doing more shows like my last six months I was there. And then I moved here to Iowa City about five years ago. And that's how long I've been doing stand-up here in this area. So what got you into it in the first place? Was Did somebody encourage you? Or were you just like, I always want to do this? Or a little bit of both? I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird story. So I actually had a friend of mine named Patrick Clark. Shout out to Patrick. Uh, who started doing stand-up before me. And he was an old college buddy. And yeah. after college, we were both... Uh, living in Lincoln, uh, and he started doing stand-up just at, like, open mics and stuff. So when I first went and watched him do an open mic, I went a couple of times to watch him, and he came up to me after a mic, and he was the first person. He was like, so when are you going to start doing this? Because he kind of knew. That's my schlichting right there. That's yeah, exactly. Me. That's exactly. what and Because he had kind of fallen in love with it, And I was really like, I don't know, but the thing about me is like, you know, you probably can tell this from me just being a junior high teacher, but I've always just been really comfortable just like talking in front of people. Like it doesn't, it's never really bothered me. I just, and, and I also, you know, just have this like creative side that since I had graduated from college a few years before this, I kind of had to push that to the side and just like become a teacher and just like really focus on teaching all that. Mm -hmm. And so when I started doing stand up again, it was something that was really cool because you had a gap. Yeah. Yeah. I had like graduated from college and when I was in high school and college, I did all kinds of like artistic creative stuff. You know, I did some theater in high school. Um, I loved uh, speech and debate when I was in high school. Oh, nice. Um, but I even quit that after two years, which was so stupid. Like, I think back on that now. I quit speech and debate to focus more yeah, on... I would be pol- such a better comic now. Dude, yeah. I would. I would. Yeah. And the other thing, too, that like really pisses me off about it is I quit to 
uh, focus more on playing football because okay. I was a football player in high school and uh, my junior and senior year. So from the moment I quit doing speech and debate, my junior and senior year, I played on the varsity football team. I got to start, which is kind of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But our team was terrible. Ooh. Both my junior and senior year. We set the school record for worst record in school history. We tied the school record. We were one and eight. We won one game. We lost eight games. Worst record in school history. And then the following year, my senior year, we tied that record by going one and eight again. So we two years in a row, we had the worst record in school history. What position did you play? I was an offensive lineman. I played right tackle. And then my senior year, I had to play a little bit of D-line because we had so many guys getting hurt because we were awful. We were so (laughs) bad. We were of weak constitution. Uh, But... I like quit a bunch of stuff to like focus on football. And the, the reason why I'm mad about quitting the speech and debate thing was I think if I kept doing that all the way to skills. my senior year, I think I would have, because my event that I did was um, entertainment, which is basically stand up. That's what like the entertainment event is at speech and debate is like, you're doing like a funny five minute speech. Oh really? That's what it is. Yeah. And I, my so sophomore year. Yeah. You do a set. My sophomore year, I had this whole speech that I wrote that was like you it was memorized the whole thing. Yeah, okay. and it was very. Um, it was I was really into Dimitri Martin at the time, okay. and so that speech was very Dimitri Martin esque, <laughs> where I had like a bunch of like charts and graphs and stuff, and uh, but you know it it wasn't great, but it was like. I look back on that now and I was like, oh, that was the first five minute set that I wrote was like doing that for speech and debate. And my whole thing was like, if I just kept doing that all the way until college, I think I would have started stand up a lot earlier because I didn't start doing stand up until I was uh, 24 years old. And if I had done that, I think I would have realized like, oh, I really love this. And I might have, you know, started doing like open mics right out of high school as opposed yeah. to like after college, you know, but you know, you can't like. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. You can't like Dude, live in regret all I was the time. Thirty one when I started. Yeah, exactly. So, and I know tons of people. And yeah. I know tons of people. There's some people that started when they were like forty. Who are great comics yeah. too, and it's well, like Heather Land started late. Yes, exactly. Like watching Heather last night too. She, dude, she inspired the hell out of me watching that last night because I was like, uh, I was thinking about that of just like her starting. Like she was a worship minister. Mm-hmm. She was married for 15 years, got a divorce, and it was like after all of that, she's that's when she's decided to start doing comedy. And she started doing comedy basically because she started making like these stupid like uh Instagram and Snapchat videos with her friends. And it was yeah, like her she friends uses that filter a lot. Yes, yeah. yeah and that's her thing. that was the and that her was the thing Instagram that like got her into like, comedy. It's that filter, the, the face. And she gets she's like Three million followers on Instagram, which is crazy. It's well, Instagram, like, she's five. No, Facebook. She has Facebook. Million, yeah. yeah, yeah. Facebook. She's Those got like reels. three million yeah. followers on Facebook. And but it, what inspired the hell out of me last night was like anytime anyone can do an hour and fi- she did an hour and 15 minutes. OK, I thought I of thought it was longer than that. Yeah. She just 
was the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, it was just kept going, and I was just like backstage. I was literally watching and listening backstage. There was no pauses. The entire there was no nope. Like... She just murdered for an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, and I was like watching that and being like, man, I was really worried about like my fifteen minutes, and she did an hour and fifteen. It was just total pro. No cheat sheet, nothing. 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 Yeah. Just I was lost. I felt I felt naked last night going on stage without my notebook. Yeah, you had nothing. Uh yeah, because I was like, I don't if I I'm doing the English. Yeah, I was like, I don't wanna I don't yeah. wanna bring my notebook. Yeah. But I'm always like my thing always is like I bring my notebook, I put it on the stool. It's almost like a crutch though. I I am trying to get away from it, but it's so hard. Yeah, I don't. I used to worry about it more. It used to be like so a thing many for me. Do it. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Is like okay, the the, the time I got over that is Mark Marin is one of my favorite comics. Uh, he was a, a huge inspiration for me when I first started doing comedy. Mm -hmm. Like me first starting to do comedy, his special Thinky Pain on Netflix came out like around that same time. And I remember watching that special and being like, that's the kind of comic that I want to be. He does this whole like stream of consciousness thing. And he's just like, he's up there and he's going from like his voice is great. one riff to another, to another, to another. But the thing that I loved about that special is he brought the notebook on the stage and he had no problem like having the notebook on the stage with him and like just flipping through stuff. Cause that's just like the comic that he is. Right. Some people like can do that and it can, and it can work. So when I, when I like started thinking about that more and more, and I used to be really self-conscious about it. I like, I don't mind bringing my notebook yeah. on stage that much. Cause it's like, well, you know, it's not for you. Have you, you know? met Nathan Kuhn before? No, I haven't. Oh, Nathan Kuhn's great. Uh, he, does he hate notebooks on no, stage? No, no, no. He's actually he he usually has his phone. Oh yeah. He doesn't always do it for like shows, but like at open mics he's done it. He's like has his phone. He's like reading off his phone. He's like, he's like he's like yeah, I'm reading off my phone. But you know who wrote these jokes? Me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I will say though, I'm a huge hypocrite because I don't like the phone. Yeah, the phone's different. I like the notebook. Yeah. I don't like the phone. Yeah. If you what uh. My friend, Jameson. I've been getting more into the notebook and away from the phone. Yeah, yeah. I and I also think I there's like a writing. mental thing of like, uh, because I don't write down unless like I think of something I that I have I'm to. A bullet point guy. Yep, I write a set list. Um, yeah. and when I think of like a new thing, maybe I'll like write it down. But I usually don't have everything fully scripted, like written down in a notebook. My notebook's just like where I write down like this bit, this bit, this bit, yeah. this bit, and I write it in order. And my friend Jameson Cox, I really like what he does because it's like so subtle and it's not a distraction at all. Is he just takes like a piece of paper the size of a post-it, like really small. Oh yeah, and he puts it in his pocket. And when he gets on stage, he takes it out of his pocket, puts it on the stool, and it's, like, tiny. Like, the audience yeah. can barely see it, but it's there if he needs it. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a good way of doing it, too. Yeah. But last – it, It's so funny. I tell myself I, I'm, like, I'm really comfortable with being on stage with my notebook. But then last night I was like, nah, I don't think I should do that. You know, I, I wanted to do – I wanted to be pro. You yeah, know, I wanted yeah. to go pro in that moment. But, yeah. you know, any other time, I'm like, whatever. It's yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, and also the other thing too is like like I said it was all of my favorite bits that I yeah. did last night and I was like early in the day I was like I know this set you know I don't need to have yeah. bullet points along the there way I know this set yeah yeah I get it so uh, going back to uh, the the high school years uh, 
what were your high what were your high school years like were they uh you said you went to school in where in lincoln yeah in nebraska okay you have a big school or a smaller school really big school real big school it was like 2000 students oh sure for a high school yeah my high school graduating class was over 400 people yeah see mine was 100 yes yeah, yeah. so big difference well i yeah. went to private school though, where'd so. you go to high school assumption in davenport in davenport yeah. okay cool yeah. yeah, oh, that's where Chris Schlichting went to school. Yep, exactly. Yep, I see the, the football jersey. I know. I, yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I'd never go to B-dubs, and I was like, I got to take a picture with the jersey. He'll love that. So, okay, tell me the story. So his high school football jersey is in the Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, I don't know how it ended up. I mean, he's not the only one who's ever wore 56. 56. But it's just like. He just started like he's, he claimed know, it. Yeah, he claimed it. Yeah, he said, "I'm in the Buffalo Wild Wings Football yeah, Hall of Fame." It's great. Okay. That is great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, but yeah, I went to high school in in Lincoln, Nebraska. I went to Lincoln Southeast High School, um, which is we we have some famous graduates of Lincoln Southeast High okay. School. By the way, James Valentine, who's the guitar player for Maroon Five, okay, went to Lincoln Southeast High School. Alex Gordon, who was a World Series champion and uh, Major League Baseball All-Star. Uh, played for the Kansas City Royals for a long time. He graduated from my high school. And also, uh, 80s guitar pop star Matthew Sweet went to my high school. I don't know that guy. Before my time, obviously. Okay, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I went to Lincoln Southeast. I was a big... It's funny, I did the football thing, but I was a big uh, music kid when I was in high school. And so I, I was really into choir. Okay. Uh, I did concert choir and I did swing choir, which is, it's like very, it's kind of like show choir, but it's very like, uh, Broadway. Like it's a little more like Broadway jazz type of stuff. So, uh, it was fun. I loved it. You know, got to sing and dance. So you hung out with the jocks and the theater kids. Dude. Yeah, I did. I was, I was kind of a weirdo. I ended up, um, being much more of like, a theater and choir kid though um i wish i would have done more theater too that was the other thing is like all the time i wanted to do shows i would like want to audition and i'd be like no i shouldn't because i should be in the weight room or i should or i should be like doing conditioning and stuff like that and yeah it's just like i think back on that stuff and like I, like, the, what our football team's terrible. Yeah, and our fo- exactly, and then our football team ended up being really bad, and I yeah. felt like a felt like a jerk. But again, football also gave me like a lot of things that are is is really useful now. Discipline, discipline, hard work. Like I was, yeah, um, I could not do football. I tried it for like a couple. Weeks. I was a small kid though. I just got like thrown around. Like yeah, that. in the my first couple of my first couple of years doing football. In like junior high and my freshman year of high school, I wasn't that good. I was really out of shape. I was a chubby kid. I uh, was the kid who would always have like an asthma attack when we ran sprints at the uh. end of practice and stuff. But um, I like really worked my butt off. I like worked really hard. And like I was one of those guys where I didn't have a lot of natural skill and ability, but I got on the field because I just outworked everybody. I would like even before two a day started, I would like go down to the park that was near my house and I would just like run sprints and do drills and get in best shape. Cause the first day of practice, I wanted to be the guy that could, you know, run longer and faster than everyone else at the end of practice. Cause I remember being a junior high kid. I was so embarrassed. Yeah. I was so embarrassed that I couldn't finish conditioning. Like it really upset me. And so I was like, never. So I showed up like, 
my sophomore year. Because once you get to high school, you're like, I could be a new guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I uh, I remember my sophomore year showing up to two days, and I was like in really good shape. I had like dropped probably 25 pounds, and uh, just being able to like run my butt off at the end of class and not uh, end of practice. I mean, and not get tired. And that's when I started being able to like play more. And uh, so it taught me that stuff. Like it taught me how to like work hard and also like how to, I think the good thing football taught me, if I can take anything away from those horrible one and eight seasons where we were literally the worst team and that's ever existed in our school was like, it did teach me how to deal with failure. Oh yeah. And it did teach me how to, um, I remember really vividly my junior year, I was starting on varsity my junior year and then they posted the uh, rosters for the following week and who was going to pl- be playing in the varsity games and who's going to be playing in the JV games. And I was a junior, so I could still play in JV games. Yeah. Uh, but I was starting on varsity. But they posted the rosters for that week. And that week, they put me down on JV for a week. And I was really upset i was like really upset i was really mad about that i was beating myself up over it because you know i was i was starting on varsity but i was struggling obviously the team was struggling we were having a hard time and i realized later that the reason why they did that is they wanted me to get some confidence they wanted me to like win a game you know what i mean and they moved a lot of guys jv would win yeah exactly it's like our jv team was like winning more games our varsity team couldn't win um, that was when I was like, that was like when I was on B All Stars in baseball. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and it was like, uh, and that's why they were, that's why they were doing it. But I remember that JV game, uh, we were just killing this team because we swung, literally, we swung down half of our varsity team for this week just so that we could get a win, just so that we could get some confidence. But I had such a bad attitude that whole game. I was being a total dick. I was like, you're like, I should be playing varsity. Well, yeah. And I was like, I was getting like mad at my teammates when they were making mistakes. I was literally these poor kids, <laughs> like these poor kids. I was like driving them off the ball and like shoving them to the ground every single play just to like prove a point mm. to my coaches. And, and uh, I remember a coach who I really respect. I ended up having especially my senior year, I had a great relationship with this coach, but he came up to me on the sidelines when he saw what a dick I was being. And he said like, this is why we can't win games right now. And that really stuck with me is like, he said, this is why we can't win games right now because you care more about yourself than you care about the team. You are mad because of how we treated you and you should be worried about trying to play with your team and win this game. And that really stuck with me because he was totally right. It was like me experiencing some sort of like personal like failure or like bad feelings or ego like did not justify me treating other people badly, you know. And also like I I wasn't entitled. The other thing, too, I that I remember coming out of that thinking was like, I'm not entitled to anything. You know, it's like I I get everything that I earn, you reap what you sow type of thing. And it's like, you know, if you don't like the situation that you're in, like you need to change something like in yourself, you know what I mean? And how you're approaching it, you know? And 
a shitty attitude and big ego and bad feelings doesn't solve anything. Nope. It just makes everything worse. It just makes you bitter, upset, all of that stuff. Uh, you kind of like my therapist right now. I haven't talked about the the JV game. This happens. <laughs> I haven't talked. So you know. Dude, I'll never forget. We again JV game against Lincoln Northeast when I was 16 years old. Yeah, this was a long time ago. <laughs> a couple years ago. We're about the same age. How old are you? Uh, I think we are the same age. Yeah. I just turned 33. So. You just turned 33. I'm one year younger than you. Okay. So you I'm about high school. Oh, nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to turn. I'm about to turn 32. I turned 32 actually two weeks from today is my 32nd birthday. Uh-huh. I know it's coming up. May birthdays are the best. Are they? They are. When? When's your birthday? March. It's Dude, not too bad. May birthdays beat the shit uh, out of March birthdays. <laughs> They're hey, so much better. <laughs> the weather. Yeah. The weather's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Yeah, my, it always rains on my, almost always rains on my birthday. What day? What day of the month is your birthday in March? Twenty third. Twenty third March. Yeah, it's like that's like a. Yeah shitty weather season oh yeah it's really bad it's, not, it's, not, it's never good <laughs> i yeah. think i i just learned Couple a lot about spring break though like when i was in school which was oh nice. yeah that's nice i think i just learned about what makes colin colin and i think a lot of it has to do with a birthday on march birthday. 23rd <laughs> somebody was talking about like zodiac signs earlier and they're like you're in it i'm like i'm an aries i'm like i don't even know if that makes sense and then like yeah it does i'm like i don't understand the zodiac signs really at all i look it up every once in a while for kicks yeah just to see you know how yeah it is but i i go in and out of that there's certain things i'm a taurus and there's certain things about my personality that i guess align with what they say it is but also i i I have a buddy of mine who taught me this and he feels this way too and i've started to feel this way because he got really uh, upset about like personality tests, like an Enneagram test or like yeah, any of that stuff. Those, yeah. yeah. And uh, he said, like, don't reduce my humanity to like one thing. Like four letters. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm more complicated. I'm yeah. more complicated than that. Yeah. Than a than a Myers Briggs don't profile. Put don't put me in a box. Yeah. And yeah. I feel I feel that way too. Yeah. Because there's even even with those personality tests, like on a personality test, like I'm a textbook extrovert is what they will tell me like that. You're really extroverted. Like you're really social, but there's also like a huge part of my personality where I need days where I'm just like in my house alone all day, you know, like sitting on the couch, like listening to music, watching netflix like a crash day it's like i I need that and we i did all those shows this past week and so this morning from like i even i didn't even sleep in that late i got up at like 7 30 and from like 7 30 until noon it was just like pajama pants and cheese it crackers and sitting on the couch you know, watching Next Level Chef with Gordon Ramsay. I need those days, yeah. like, all the time. I get it. Some people don't understand that, too. Yeah. And they feel offended, like, if you don't want to do anything. Yeah, Have totally. Have into that? Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, I just need a day. Or, like, there's times where people, like, will be calling me i'm like i don't have time for a, I, I like i don't have the mental capacity yeah i can't do this right now to talk on the phone yeah like like yeah i'll text you like you know i'm alive and whatever yeah but um there's some days where you know i gotta answer the phone um that's one <laughs> because I, i'm in recovery so i yeah i i sponsor people 
Yeah. So I have to answer the phone. Yeah, I, totally. Or call them back because it could be I don't know what's going on. It could be something serious. It could be something not serious. It could be somebody just want to talk. Yeah, you need to I, be available. That's what I signed up for. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, being available for people is hard. Even your closest friends. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, it, lo- it blows my mind. Yeah. I'm how just... often, you know, a, a friend tries to reach out or I try to reach out to them and like it takes so long and we just can't like connect. It's really hard. Like that whole thing of like not being selfish with your time and stuff. But also at the same time, like I was saying earlier, it's like you also need to take care of yourself, yes. you know, and you need like there is a balance there. And, you know, I think uh, my personality, uh, I'm married. I've been married for almost four years. And it's like, I love my wife and we have a great relationship. But you have to have some time. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes, and she gets that way better than I do. That's good. And, uh, but, and sometimes I like just drive her crazy with (laughs) like the whole thing of like, dude, like you don't have to keep going out all the time. You know what I mean? It's like you don't have to go to every mic. You don't have to like meet yeah. this friend at this place. Like you feel you, like you're gonna miss out on something. Yeah, totally. And yeah. it's just like you know you and she understands more than anything. Like you need to take better care of yourself. You know, and I'm really glad that like I've gotten a lot better at that just in the past few years that we've been married because that was something that I never like even thought about before of just like you're burning the candle at both ends. Like you're starting to get afraid. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the way you are going and like having to, and the way she also checks me on this whole thing is like, why do you feel like you have to be on and perform like all the time? Mm. Like you, you can't always be. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and I think that that's something we struggle with because we're like on stage a lot and we're like getting up in front of people a lot is the whole thing of like you can't always be in performance mode like all of the time like yeah. sometimes you sometimes you have to be yourself sometimes you have to be alone sometimes and also the other thing too is we surround ourselves with so many other comics who are also like performing and putting on a show all the a lot time of personalities. too. Yes, a lot of personalities, and uh, it's also good to identify. Like, you also need those friends in your life that you can just be yourself with and just like be real with, and you don't have to put on the show with them. No. You can just like you know do whatever. Like, I have some good friends in my life where you know I just love to just go and play golf with them. And just oh, like yeah. hang out with my buddies, man. You seem like a good guy to to go play yeah, uh, I love play golfing, around man. with. I love golf. You've always been a good hang, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah, I like I like hanging with Colin. I'm uh, I'm just a guy that likes to talk and hang out, man. I've been, I've done the whole uh, the whole partying thing, as we all, as everybody knows. And I'm just like, I just like to hang out. And, yeah. Uh, I like meeting new people. Like that was like the biggest thing with the festival this this week was like, um, I wish I would have came up sooner, but at the same time I just didn't have the time. And you know, when I golfed yesterday, it was with my my dad and my uncle, and I you know, family time's gotten very very important to me over the last few years because there's a lot of years where I didn't focus on that very well. That's good. You so, still have a good relationship with your folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. I, I, uh, I always have had a pretty good relationship with them, but it was kind of uh, it was kind of iffy, one sided um, for a while. And uh, I moved a little bit. Uh, I moved to Chicago for a little while. 
uh, right after college, I slept on my brother's couch um, for longer than I was supposed to, uh, for like a <laughs> month or two, to try to find a job. And then I finally found a job. Then I got it. That was right after college? Right after college. Dude, there's no shame. And I lived with my parents for five months right after college. Dude, I, I did the moving back in with my parents thing like twice. Yeah, I did too. Ugh. Same thing. Yeah, not fun. Now yeah, I say I would, also your 20s. Yeah. It happens. I was like, I am, but at the, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't care what happens. I will live under a bridge before I do that again <laughs> for my parents' sake and my sake. It's a mutual agreement. I would rather live under a bridge than <laughs> w- live with my parents again. Yeah. I don't know if I feel that strongly about it, but well, it's a little exaggerated. But I will say the second time, so the second time I moved in with my parents, it was so I could save money to move out here because i knew i was going to move to iowa city i was dating my wife at the time and and she was already here she was already here she was a student that's what brought you here right she was a student at the university we'd been dating for about a year Mm -hmm. i realized that like okay this is the person that i want to be with for the rest of my life so i moved out of a house i was splitting rent on with a friend of mine and i moved back in with my parents that time i lived with my parents was actually much better than the first time I was living with my parents okay. because it was like it was a different. I knew what the goal was, yeah. You know, and it I knew. Point. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I knew I was like, I'm doing this yeah. because I'm on a mission, man. I'm in love with this girl. I got to get to Iowa City. Yeah. First time you live with your parents right out of college, that like, was not good. You're just like, you know, it was a mess too, and it was also like. It's tough coming back to your folks' place right after, after college. After being on your own. Yeah, because – and also, like, people are really different uh, when they graduate from high school compared to when they come back from college. Oh, yeah. You're a totally different person. You're, yeah. you're, you are an adult now, yeah. you know, and you probably have a ton of different ideas – uh, yeah. values, also habits like change a lot when you're in college oh, yeah. too. And I remember I like when I came back from college, that first time I lived with my parents, I would drive my folks crazy because they also were not used to having an adult man in their house that wasn't a child. Yeah, I got my sister. I got okay. an older sister, too. Did she ever live at home? Yeah, she did. She did live at home after college. Kind of same as me, though. Didn't yeah. last very long. Okay. She only lived at home with my folks for, like, maybe five or six months. Hey, buddy, He's you need kidding. to relax, dude. He wants attention. He does. He just wants attention. Come here. Come here. I know. I know. <laughs> it's okay. You're going to have to chill out, though, Okay. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> this is going to go out to dozens of people. Yeah, maybe even two dozen. <laughs> <laughs> if we're lucky. If we're but lucky. anyway, man, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I've loved I've loved being in Iowa City, though. Like, this was the place that, um, you know, this is the first place I've lived for a long time on my own without mm-hmm. my family. I, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. And this is kind of the place where I had to grow up and like figure it out on my own and all that stuff. And I've loved it. It's been great. It was like tough when I, we first came out here and just like starting over, you know, and just like having none of the friendships and relationships that I had built over like 25 years yeah. in my hometown and just like starting out somewhere like completely new. Oh. There you go. Okay. Nice job. <laughs> Keep him occupied. But yeah, and then like not only like starting those relationships over, but also like 
starting to do stand up in like a completely different place too. Oh yeah. Whereas like nobody knew who I was. No one gave a crap, you know, like going from, I had like just started, uh, when I left Nebraska, I just started being booked on like legit shows yeah. and at clubs and stuff like that. And then like going back to be like, okay, I'm now at a mic again, starting from square one and no one knows who I am and I have to start over. But I look at that time and is like, as a, as a comedian, that was really good for me to have to do that because it forced me to write again. It forced me to come up with new ideas again. And it also forced me to like have to get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And you know, uh, I think people, a lot of times when they've been doing the open mic thing and the comedy thing for a while, you know, they, they get like two, three years in, they start getting frustrated because they're like, why can't I do more shows? Why isn't this thing get, being given to me? Yeah. Why isn't that thing being given to me? You know, this person's I doing this thing. Lot. Yeah, tons of people have that mindset, right? Of like, I like, why am I not getting booked? Why am I not doing this thing? I'm really thankful for my experience moving here to Iowa City for the first time because that kicked that out of me immediately because people i think don't realize when they've been doing in the same place their entire time doing comedy or they've you know never had to start over like in a completely new place they don't realize like hey nothing's going to be just handed to you like you really gotta just care about like your time on stage and what you're going to do while you're on stage. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, and I know that a lot of people don't like to hear that because in their mind, they're thinking like, I have earned it. Right. Like yeah. that's the way that they see things. But, uh, my mindset always has been since I've moved here of like, you should be focusing on being the funniest person you can be when you're on stage. Like that's number one goal. Uh, come up with that great new bit, like come up with that new five minute set, like make this crowd laugh tonight, like do really well here. And like, that's the only thing that's like driven me and everything else that's like been happening for me good lately. I know it's not because of like the hustle or like I have a great like social media marketing or uh, like I, I know the right people like some of that does like have wow. its place and it helps and it help, can help you make connections. But I know like everything that I've been able to do in the past year, and this has by far been my best year doing stand up ever. It's been the year I've enjoyed doing stand up the most, the most fulfilling, but I know that's come from me trying to be the best comic that I can be. Yeah. Not from any favors or any, you know, uh, clever business sense or being an yeah. entrepreneur. It's all come from just being like, I want to be funny on stage. I want to make these people laugh. And I think if more comics have that mindset, they'll get less frustrated with like where I'm being booked and like, like, yeah, what I'm being given and all of that stuff. And it's, uh, you know, I know people talk about this all the time, but the Bill Burr quote in line where he says, you know, like become undeniable. That was his whole thing of just like, and he says it talking about like women doing comedy and like people shouldn't complain about like not getting opportunities, which, you know, you can either take that or leave it. But what he yeah. says in that quote and in that interview is like, if you go up there and you crush night after night, after night, after night, no one 
is going to look at you and not want to book you. Everyone's going to want to book you. Everyone's going to want to put you on your show, right? Because they're seeing that you are doing it. They're seeing the fruits of your labor. They're seeing you be your best possible self. Like that's what people want to see. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had someone come up to me after a mic one time and they said to me, like, I've never seen you have a bad set here. And that was one of the best compliments I ever got because that was what I thought of immediately. It was just like, yeah, because I, I work really hard yeah. to like put in the effort to like, I want to do well, like every time that I'm here, I want to do well every time I get on stage. So yeah, that almost like, you know, that kind of goes back to the football thing that we were talking about earlier. Like the whole thing of like, I'm going to work hard on it. I'm going to uh, care about it and not for the, the, the glory or the fame or like the, the sport of it. Almost. Yeah, exactly. But, but, but because yeah. it's like, I want to do well on stage. Like yeah. that's what I enjoy. Like that show last night, that was cool. That was awesome. Being able to do that. The best part of that whole show though, was the 15 minutes I was on stage. That's the funnest part. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the thing that you should be working for is like, not all, not the name on the marquee, not the you know the lights in the dressing room you should be doing it because the 15 that minutes time. that you're on stage is the funnest 15 minutes that you're gonna have all week long yeah you know yeah yeah sorry i just gave you a ted talk a little bit there that's my that's like my comedy sermon man comedy that's sermon. it's i'm like so passionate about that it's just like hey focus on being funny focus on like yeah, that's what you're here for yeah exactly that's what yeah. what's important you know yeah, yeah. i was talking to a comic who was on the festival this past week and her name's mandy k she's from boulder colorado she's awesome uh and one of the things that she was talking about was just the fact that it's like you know so many comics out there are trying to like be either political or edgy or alternative or like they're trying to put themselves on this label in this box and she said you know i just want to go up there and be funny yeah. and she said that and i was like oh like we are thank you you and i are uh yeah. you know cut from the same cloth because i was like that's how i feel too man it's like i just care i just care about making people laugh yep. i just care about being funny and give them like my best comic self every time that i get on stage and it's like i'll get you laughing However, I can get you laughing, but I want to get you laughing, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, Brody has a great uh, bit. What's Brody's last name again? Stanford. Oh, Stanford. Uh, he has a great bit about about therapy. Yeah. <laughs> His bit about therapy is like, which which honestly, yeah, comedy is therapy. And he's like, he's like this is therapy and fitness is therapy. But he's like, have you ever tried therapy <laughs> I, was just, I was like oh my god he's yeah like, he's like no, it's awesome I, dude i feel that way i feel that way all the time too is um it's funny you know i'll i'll i won't name this next comic because it's not the most flattering story but um there was a, a moment that i had where i noticed i was going to this mic for same mic for months mm -hmm. uh and i noticed the same person getting up time and time again every time they got on stage all they did was try to do crowd work and try to do like really angry, like attacking the crowd, being mean to the crowd, crowd work. Ooh, talking and down. was going bad every time. And it would just kill the room. I mean, it would totally kill the room. And we had to follow this guy That's all the fun. time, That's right? So and he would just walk like half the room. We got a few of those. Yeah. 
and it happens. It happens. It's part of doing the thing, right? It's an but, open mic. But I could tell that after, like, I was seeing him do this for weeks, right? And I could tell it was starting to frustrate him that he was doing badly, right? It was starting to, like, because get him. Because it's, it's a real blow. Yeah. Like, when you, when, when, when it's you just bomb. bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb. Yeah. And I've been there. You know, yeah. I've I've had those streaks. I've had those months yeah. where it feels like I can't have a good You're set. Like, why am I even doing? Totally. Yeah. It's like, why am I doing this right now? Yeah, yeah. But he actually he legitimately came up to me after a mic after I was watching this for weeks. And and he no, he, he literally asked me like, hey, man, like I'm not doing great right now. Like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And the thing I told him, I was like, hey, man, have you ever thought of getting up there? And just doing jokes and telling jokes and like not doing this thing where you feel like you have to like be antagonistic and go after the crowd or be mean to this person. But like maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not you. Like, have you thought about like and some people can do some people are great at that, you know, like just just great at it. I've seen awesome, awesome comics do that. But it's like, you know. I figured out because I tried being at the next level. Like, yes. Like, I'm just getting to the point where I do some crowd work, but yeah, as long as I'm just jokes. I was like, jokes, yeah, jokes, jokes, jokes. jokes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I tried being, when I first started out, I tried being the political guy and like doing, like, uh, I wanted to be like, you know, the John Stewart, you know, Stephen Colbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those guys. I want to be that. Yeah. Found out I wasn't that guy, right? Okay. Yeah. I wanted to do the. Uh, shocking guy. I wanted to do the Louis C.K. Anthony Jeselnik. Figure out I'm not that guy, right? Yeah. And then I figured out my best self is when I get up there and it's like I know what the jokes are. It's material. I've made it. And also the best things were the things that actually came from who I was and were honest and were like I'm being myself. Okay. I figure that that's what works best for me. Things work differently for everyone. Some people do better with the persona. Some people do better trying to do the shocking. Some people do better doing the political, but I found out that wasn't me, right? And so what I told this guy, I was like, hey, maybe you should focus on instead of trying to like put yourself in this box of like the kind of comic you should be in, the kind of comic you should do, maybe you should go back to the drawing board and actually figure it out like where's the joke? Like what's funny? One of the best pieces of advice I ever got doing comedy ever was I was hosting for this guy at Penguins one time. His name was Greg Hahn. Shout out to Greg. I'm sure you listen to Colin's podcast. But uh, he was a headliner coming through Penguins back in the Penguins Comedy Club days in Cedar Rapids. This was a few years ago. And I was just hosting for the weekend. And Brent Terhune was there, too, who's a great comic out of Indianapolis. He's blowing up on Twitter lately. And uh, Greg Hahn, after the show, gave me, like, some really great advice. I've I've heard that. Dude, yeah, he's like a he's like a big like Todd and Tyler radio guy, and yeah, yeah. he's like, and the club was packed for him. Like people love this dude. They came out and saw him. He seems like one of those guys who would like come back to Cedar Rapids like every year or two, and like yeah. people just really loved him there. And so it was cool for me because I got to host for him Friday and Saturday, whole weekend. And uh, you know, I did like old stuff that I used to do. You know, when I was like, it was basically the material that I had written like my first two years doing comedy in Nebraska, right? Which wasn't necessarily bad, but it was like my first two years of doing comedy type of material. And uh, the best advice that he gave me is he said, hey, man, you're funny, but you need to get to the joke. That's what he said. 
said you've taken too long there's too much setup there's too too much story he goes you're funny he goes you're making people laugh he said but you could be making them laugh a lot more if you just got to the joke and that was the best advice that I could have gotten because yeah exactly because that made me the the comic that I am now not to say that I've like leveled up or anything like that but what I have done is I've like had that thought in my head every time I'm writing a new bit or like have a new idea the thing I have to tell myself is like it doesn't have to be that long you don't need that much setup cut that cut that like get to the joke and once you get to the joke it's like my best stuff that I've written this past year has like all been with that mindset, you know, of just like, you know, where the laugh is, get to the laugh, you know, say as few words as possible to get to that point. And, um, I know it probably sounds like I'm being like, you know, an existential asshole about something that's literally like poop and dick jokes and stuff (laughs) like that. But I do think, you know, there's something to be said just about like, you know, loving, the like craft and loving the ability to just get there and just tell jokes that make people laugh, you know, and don't overcomplicate it. Sometimes that's all it has to be, you know, be yourself, get up there, tell the joke. Yeah. And why do you, why do you think you, why do you think you want to do comedy so much? Dude, honestly, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because I'm like with my teaching career, I'm like kind of getting to this crossroads where I am either going to like have to like just keep doing what I'm doing and just be a classroom teacher forever, which I don't know if I want to do that or uh, I want to talk about the teaching stuff too. Yeah, but or move up in my career and uh, back to school. Yeah. And I am going back to school. I'm going back to grad school in the fall to uh do a master's of education program with uh with an endorsement in principalship and so okay. possibly become an assistant principal or principal at some point in my career i don't know when or if that's going to happen but yeah. i've been thinking about this a lot lately because the thing i've been thinking is like okay are you going to be able to do that and also still do comedy you know what i mean mm-hmm. is it going to be too much career And is that something that's going to have to go away? And so it literally has had me thinking, like, why am I even still doing this? And there was a time, too, during the pandemic where, you know, because I had been before the pandemic, I'd been doing comedy for like four and a half years before that. Right. And being like six months, there were six months there in 2020 where I did no stand up. Right. Because there was nothing happening. There's no mics happening. No shows happening. And I started doing it again in the fall of. 2020 but when i first came back it was so bad and it was so depressing because no one was there there was no one at these mics there was no one at these shows people were barely outside their house like in august september of 2020 right that that was my first moment where i was like i don't know if i wanted to keep doing this anymore now I'm obviously really glad that I did yeah. because all of this cool stuff has happened mm-hmm. in the past couple of years that would have never happened if I quit. Yeah. Right. But I'm starting to get to that place again of like, what does the next like level and next phase of this look like for me? Like why I'm actually, doing it. and the thing I keep coming back to is I just, I just love it. 
I just love being on stage. I just love performing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that like really gets me excited that I'm really passionate about. And I just love like new places and new opportunities to just be able to perform. And so that being said, uh, there's also a part of me that's always been like, what would it look like to do that full time? What would it look yeah. like to do that professionally? And I've had some friends who have gone uh, down both of those paths, you know, who have said, I can't keep doing comedy forever. I'm going to have to give it up. I've had a lot of friends do that. And I've had a lot of friends who have also said, I'm going full tilt on this thing and I'm going to commit myself to it. I'm going to do it professionally, you know? And uh, I'm kind of in between those things right now where yeah. it's like, I, I don't know what that looks like, which is, you know, I, I don't mean to be a bummer. I do think that's just honest though, of just like, you know, I've been doing this thing for seven years now. I mean, and crossroads so, of like career and what you want to do with your life. Yeah. It and it affects it's, so many people because like, the other thing too, it's comedy or whatever it is like, you know, comedy is my passion. Yeah. Cause everybody has their own different passions. Comedy is my passion. But the other thing that's my passion is helping kids. And yeah. the other thing that's my passion is like, um, you know, this year at my school, I started coaching the quiz bowl team at my school, which is uh, just as nerdy as it sounds, okay. by the way. It's great, though. Nerdy. I love it. Um, I've, I've loved doing that so much. And I kind of started doing it. It's the first time they've ever done a quiz bowl team. So I, you're going to have to explain this to me because I have no idea. Okay, so it's like academic bowl type of thing. Have you ever heard of like scholar bowl or like Nothing. anything like that? Okay, cool. So what it is is like it's, a, it's basically like a trivia competition okay. with schools where schools go to tournaments and you have teams of four kids uh, on a team who compete in it's a jeopardy like uh, trivia game okay. where the kids have buzzers and they buzz in to answer questions to get points. And if you get a buzzing question, you get bonus questions and whoever is the mo- most points at the end of the round wins. And there's different topics. Yes. And it covers everything from like, They'll do questions about, you know, your classic trivial pursuit categories of like history, literature, geography, science, sports, entertainment. Like they'll do all of that stuff, but they'll also throw in a lot of stuff for the kids that are about like video games and like YouTubers and like all of this stuff. And so it's really fun. Um, And so it's like this fun mix of like academic knowledge, but also just like trivia knowledge. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... I started doing this this year because I love trivia. Uh, I'm on a music trivia team with my friends that we do this competition in Quincy, Illinois every year. Uh, I love doing like bar trivia, pub trivia, all that stuff. Always have. And I heard about Quiz Bowl because a friend of mine who's also on my trivia team, he coached a Quiz Bowl team in a high school that he teaches at in Macomb, Illinois. Okay. And... uh, he was talking to me about it and, you know, just his experience. And it sounded like something that was cool and fun. And also I was like kind of looking for a thing that I could do where I could do more just outside of my classroom at my school building, like yeah. a way that I could like start like trying to build a different kind of relationship with students, you know, do something that was teaching, but wasn't just me in my classroom teaching social studies. So I decided to do this thing. I found a few kids who were interested in it. And that experience this year has really helped me fall in love with teaching again. And it's like really helped me uh, 
be passionate about my job again because it turns out these kids were really good at quiz bowl and uh they were awesome and we uh went to our first tournament not knowing what we were doing at all we'd never played in a tournament before and they came in second place they were runner-ups in the tournament first tournament they ever played in and then they won the second tournament they were ever in and then just a few weeks ago they won the iowa state championship for quiz bowl um which is so cool. And it just started because I basically said, I want to do this. I want to start yeah. this. You know what I mean? And because I said, I want to do this. I want to start this. All these kids now get to have this really cool experience and yeah. like get to enjoy this thing. Are these kids like that aren't normally involved in much stuff or they have other stuff they're involved in. Or they're kind of involved. It's kind of a mixed bag. Okay. Yeah. And so it's like, um, for some of them, this is like their first like team Okay. thing that they've ever done for others of them i have one girl on my team that's like the most involved kid ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> like she's one of those kids who's that's like always, yeah. in club soccer and she's does orchestra and band and she runs track and now she's on the quiz bowl team and but she was awesome like she was like the best she was good for our team because she was competitive too and we needed a little bit of that edge but yeah i mean th- doing that though this year, that was the thing. I was like, oh, like I am still passionate about like helping kids and working with kids too. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I'm kind of at this place where I'm, you know, the the two roads are diverging in the wood type of thing. And I have to choose which one I want to travel. Uh, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's no. also a sign that it's like there's probably some cool stuff happening in your life. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of people don't have any roads to choose to go down, I'm on, you know, I'm. I totally understand that because I'm at I'm at a point with uh, where I have a really good full time job. Um, I'm also doing comedy, do the podcast. I'm a uh, somebody called me a Renaissance man the other day, and I was like, <laughs> or a couple of few months ago actually, and I was like, yeah, I just do a lot of different stuff. And I started a social media company where I'm managing social media for businesses. I've only had one client so far, but. Um, cause I've always been like really intrigued by social media cause I went to school for marketing and that's basically where all the marketing is now. Um, not all of it, but it's going there. Um, right. so I've gotten really into that, but, uh, yeah, getting that crossroads, it's kind of a weird place to be in, but also you just kind of got to like take a step back and like focus on the moment, like what yeah. you're doing now. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Don't start looking for real. Back. Yeah. I struggle with that too. Big yeah. time. Yeah. And it's just like, you got to enjoy the moments that you get because you also don't know like this thing that I'm doing right now, right? Whether it's stand up or coaching the kids in quiz bowl or, you know, you doing your podcast or whatever it is. It's like, you also don't know like how long these things are going to last, you know, and just remind yourself like, you know, me being able to do the English theater last night, right? It's just like, enjoy that get that that's a cool thing you got to do you know enjoy being in that moment right there and like soak it all in you know and uh i think we care too much sometimes about like what the next thing is what the next thing is what the next thing is that we don't get to enjoy the things that we're doing right now yeah i've talked to so many people that struggle with that yeah hard not to yeah because you know you don't want to fall behind or you don't want it to the other people a lot of people feel that way just because of fear you know, oh, of yeah. just like they think they've they've found a cool thing and they don't want the cool thing to be taken away from them. Mm-hmm. So they keep putting stuff in their book like 
this week, this week, this week, this week, because they don't want, you know, the thing to be taken away from them. And I have to keep telling myself all the time of like, you know, it's not going anywhere unless you want it to go somewhere. You know what I mean? You can, you'll be able to keep the thing I need to keep telling myself is like, you'll be, if it's comedy, it's like, you'll be able to keep doing this as long as you want to do it. Yeah. You know, it's no one's, comedy's not going anywhere. No one's going to come in and snatch it away from you. You know what I mean? <laughs> the dog's whining in here again. Yeah. He's trying to snatch me away from this podcast right now. Uh-huh. But, uh, but I think a lot of people think that, you know, that it's not going to work out or it's going to be taken away from them. And, the truth of the matter is, is like, if you want to do it, you can do it. You're the only one who gets to decide whether you're going to do it or not do yeah. it, you know? And uh, if you have that mindset, I think, you know, there comes a lot of freedom in that of just like, I'm going to get up and do the things that I want to do today. George Michael agrees. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. How much time are we at, by the way? Uh, that's a good question. Um <laughs> Oh, nice. Cool. So I wanted to get into talking about, um, because we talked earlier, you teach seventh and eighth grade, which, yeah, as we both recall, and you're well aware of, is with some weird times, a lot of changes going on, <laughs> um, and, uh, changes. yeah, so many, and, uh, looking back to, like, when I was that age, it was just like, there was, yeah, it was just a very interesting time. But like right now, obviously, not to sound like old, sound like old man. Kids have different issues. They still have some of the same issues. Like you know, obviously bullying's a problem. Uh, but now bullying's gotten even worse because it's online. Oh, uh, dude, yeah, that's the thing about the bullying now is like it's nonstop. It's all happening in the shadows too. That's the thing that we found you, out in our school you building. Can't really. The thing is, too, that I think frustrates me. We actually had an incident at our school just this past week where it was a cyberbullying incident where it was like, I don't even know a lot of the details about it, but we got an email about it. And, uh, you know, kids posting like mean or hateful things online and the school finds out about it and they have to do something about it. But the thing that does bother me a lot is I think a lot of that stuff is actually happening in subtle ways in plain sight but people aren't wanting to deal with it or like address it. Mm. And so like, I hear stuff all the time, you know what I mean? That I try to address and follow through with, but you realize that like it's happening everywhere. And the other thing too, that you realize is like with the phones and with the devices, like there's just nonstop communication that's happening. Mm -hmm. Like all of these kids are on Snapchat. All of them are on Instagram. They're all messaging each other. The Snapchat thing is bananas, dude. Yeah. It's crazy. They're all on Snapchat talking to each other all of the time. And there's really not a whole lot that you can do to curb it. But I do think that like there needs to be some sort with that. There needs to be some sort of like culture shift. And I think, how we parent around it and how we teach our kids about it. Because I think a lot of parents assume like, Oh yeah, my kid turned 13. I'm going to give them a phone because this is the time that you have a phone. It's like, no, you should like really be teaching them like how you should and should not use that for like your own personal emotional and social well being. Yeah. I just think that there's not a lot of teaching that goes along with it. You know what I mean? I think he wants the banana. Your banana's right there. You want me to throw the banana? Yeah, he wants to throw the banana. For those that are just I listening, there's the, the do- there is a dog. 
that wants attention. Here's the him. problem. I can't throw the banana uh, if he keeps picking up the banana. Okay, give me want, one dude? moment. Give me one second. <laughs> yeah, you're good. If you if you lock him out, will he just bark? Yeah. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> We're wrapping up in a bit anyway. He'll be okay. Oh, there he is. But yeah, yeah, the social media, the social media thing is crazy. And uh, like, I wrote a, I wrote like a, a bit about it. Uh, just about like how the kids are getting mean nowadays, but it really is true. But the other thing too, that I will say is on the other side of that coin, there's also, I notice more kids now with like a much deeper empathy. And like, there's also a lot of kids out there who are just like way more emotionally well adjusted than I was oh. growing up and also like in a healthier more place. Self-aware. Yeah. More self-aware growing up. And so the thing that sucks about it is like, I do think there's like two sides to that coin of just like, yes, the bullying thing is tough. And like the Snapchat, Instagram, like social media, melting your kid's brain thing is obviously worrying, but it's like, also like, I do think like kids have a much better sense of the world. Now they understand uh, the world more because of the information that they get from the internet. And so it is, it's difficult though to like balance those two things. The thing that I keep landing on is like, you got to teach your kids how to be on the internet, not just give them access to the internet. You have to teach them how to be on the internet. You have to teach them things like, Hey, things that you say on here, they do come back for you. Yeah. Like they're not just like going out there into nothingness. Permanent. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, I had good parents and I understand that like, you know, not every kid has parents who are present and who teach them stuff like that. But I remember being in uh, AOL instant messenger chat rooms oh, yeah. when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old and like saying something like really mean to a person or to a friend on there, my mom seeing it and being like, Hey, you can't do that yeah. just because it's on the internet doesn't mean that you can say it like the yeah. things you say matter you wouldn't say that to someone in person you shouldn't say it in this chat room right now yeah. right and i don't know if there a lot of parents are even aware of what their kids are saying because now it's like so much more difficult to monitor like the snap like snapchat's a great example the messages go away right and so it's like yeah. much more difficult for them to monitor stuff like that and the other part of that though that i think at the same time is there needs to be like some sort of like healthy awareness of like your child's brain and where they're at in their development. And like, that's why I've been like a huge proponent since becoming a middle school teacher of like, if I have kids someday, which we hope to have kids someday, but if I have kids someday, I don't think I'm going to give my kid uh, their own phone until they're like 16 or 17 years old. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking late. I didn't get mine until I could, was driving. That was why. Yeah. It was a yeah. safety thing. And I think I think it was the same way. I think I got mine 15th or 16th birthday. It was when I yeah. got my first cell phone. And, uh, the, and I don't say that about just like, I don't mean to be that old guy that's like, oh, back in my day. No, but this, you see this, it. And but you see it. And it's also just like, I, I just really think that we need to be cognizant of the fact of these things have a huge effect on your child's brain and emotional development. You know, I'm a huge believer in the effects 
that social media have on your mental health. I'm a huge believer of the effects of how it can affect your self-efficacy and how you view yourself and your self-esteem and all of that stuff, especially especially in kids going through adolescence. I mean, that's already a really fragile time. You know, it's already a really difficult time. And you are, in a lot of ways, I think we're like pouring gasoline on the fire when it comes to how we're like talking to our kids about this stuff, you know? And I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily what the solution is, but I know for, as it says in scripture, me and my house, we will do what I say we're going to do. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, as long as you're under this. Yeah. No, as long yeah. As, but <laughs> yeah. I do think there's, yeah. I, there's I don't know. To that. I, I think that, I think that uh, a lot of parents are just giving their kids phones because that's what everyone else is doing. Yeah, yeah. And in reality, it's like you don't that's, have to. That's a stupid way to parent. You know what I mean? If ev- the trends. If everyone was giving their kid a hand grenade, you wouldn't give them a hand grenade. No. You know? I think the same thing about the cell phone thing is like, yeah, that's great. You know? Would you say that cell phones are like the biggest problem you have to deal with as a teacher, or like? Um, I think they cause a lot of problems. I mean, I gotta say, um, when I have conflict with a student in my class, like a student gets like really, well, just like defiant or just like disrespectful with me. 90% of the time it's about technology. It's about either being able to use something. Yeah. Me asking them to put their phone away or like saying like, Hey, I got to take your phone. That starts about 90% of the conflicts in my class because they're addicted to them. It's literally like me, like in a social studies classroom asking a junkie if I can take the drugs off of them. It's like that. And it's like, how do you think it's going to go? It's not going to go well. You know, you're taking something that they've developed an attachment to some sort of like dependence on that's poisoning their brain that's poisoning their mind and so like i've had to like think about that like in my classroom like how do i teach that and so i have this thing on my board that i call green light and red light and i say if the green light's on that means okay to have your phone out right now i said but once i move it to a red light that's when you put it away and i started doing that just to try to teach them the skill of like there's sometimes where it's okay to have it out yeah. and there's sometimes where it needs to be put away. Same thing if like I am a I am an adult, right? But if I am, for example, performing comedy on stage in front of people, I shouldn't be scrolling through my Instagram. <laughs> Right, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, that would be a bad time to do that. Or if uh, you're at the front row at a comedy show, like. if I'm at a exactly, <laughs> if I'm at a job interview, yeah, or if I'm in a hold on, I just got this fire tweet. I got or if I'm <laughs> in a in a theater performance. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I there's uh, that's the other the thing time too. And place. Yeah, that's the other thing too that is to me was so elementary when I was growing up of just like. I wouldn't sit in the middle of a crowd, right, and loudly talk to someone on my cell phone. I wouldn't do that, right? Obviously, technology's changed a lot. Like, you can be be very quiet and subtle and be on your phone nowadays. But I think the skill of, like, hey, this isn't something you need all the time. And also, okay, here's another thing. Man, I'm going on a lot of soapboxes right now. But, okay, here's, here's something I really believe strongly about. Okay. You can give your kid a cell phone, right? That doesn't mean that kid has to bring that cell phone to school with them. Why is that such a weird concept? I had a Game Boy growing up, right? I loved Nintendo. Oh. I loved my Game Boy, yep. right? Same. I had a Game Boy. 
Game Boy Color. Color, Game Boy Advance. I loved my Game Boy. Always. Pokemon, Metroid, Kirby, all the time on the Game Boy. Loved it. Okay. I had to leave my Game Boy at home. It was a rule, right? My parents told me, you can't play the Game Boy at school. Why can't I play my Game Boy at school? Because it's going to distract you. Because you're going to want to play it all the time. When you're in school, you should focus on being in school. Okay. All right. Same concept with the cell phone. Okay. You can give your kid a phone, right? You don't have to give your kid a phone and have that kid take that phone to school with them. Because guess what? It is going to be a distraction. Okay. Here's another comparison that I give people all the time. Okay. There was a time where my social media was only on my computer, desktop computer Mm -hmm. in my house. Right. We had a Dell computer with Windows 98 that was in the downstairs of my house. Okay. Same. So that was that was my social media. It was AOL, uh, MySpace, Zanga. Dude. Okay? Do you remember these days? Okay. So I can't imagine find Zanga and it frustrates me. I want to find you, it. They've I gone away. I've, there is a way to recover them. I want to roast myself. And can I tell you something? Yeah. Uh, okay. From me to you, who's had the same comedy thought. Yeah. I also tried to recover my old Zanga for comedy material, yes. for bait that I could dig up. Yeah. Let me tell you, it's not worth it, dude. It's not. You don't want to see it. It's actually horrifying to see. It's painful. It's painful. It's so bad. You think, like, my seventh grade self thought i was so funny and so witty and so unique no you're just a absolute asshole you're <laughs> yeah. just an idiot moron drama uh you post things about like i had a quote from bill cosby on there which is very problematic now yeah, yeah. and all of that stuff but okay so this is the point that i was gonna make earlier okay <laughs> imagine if every kid in 2002 brought their Dell desktop computer to school yes. and put it on their desk, right? Nothing would get done, right? Yeah. Because they would be, I know myself when yeah. I was 12 years old, right? What would I be doing? Dude, I'd be sending AIM messages. Uh, yes, I would be sending, I would, do an, I would be doing AOL Instant Messenger. I would be playing Mech Warriors with my little joystick, right? Oh. That was a good PC game. I would be uh I would be getting online on like either RuneScape or I'd be playing 3D pinball, right? 3D pinball. Awesome. Yeah, all that stuff, right? Okay. So, obviously we know we wouldn't do that. The same thing is happening when you take your kid's smartphone to school with them. Yeah. Same exact thing, except it is even more addictive distracting more things to do there's more things to do it's like the number of applications games Mm. social media ways to chat all of that stuff yeah it's unlimited okay so you're taking something that was distracting for me when i was 12 that is now a hundred times more distracting and you're saying yeah take that to geometry class it's stupid it's ludicrous to think that that's not going to have some sort of adverse effect yeah, on your think, child. Like there would be like a phone check at the door or something. The best phone policy of any school that I worked at was the first school I worked at. This was by far the best phone policy is they said you can bring your phone to school, but you have to leave it in your locker during class. Yeah. 
You have everyone has a locker. Locker, you have to leave it in the locker. I get class. having the phone at school for one reason only, maybe to call your parents, like for a ride. Or right, like, communication, yeah. obviously. But now, here's my other argument that I have too: is uh, if that's your argument, you should give your kid uh, some sort of smartwatch where they can they can call or text you from that. But it's on like your account, okay? Yeah. And it doesn't and have it limited to be like. It, it can call or it can text, and that's all it can do, right? That's smart. It's a smart watch. It's smart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, but leave it in your locker was the policy, and I love that policy yeah. because if a kid pulled a phone out in class, the rule was very clear. It has to be in your you locker. Can't have that. And so I'd say, hey, you can either put it in your locker. I'll write you past to go to your locker, put it away, or you can put it on my desk, and I'll give it to you at the end of class. What's it going to be? And most of the time they'd say, I'm going to go put it in my locker. I'd say, okay. Excuse to walk out. Yeah, class, which think. is fine. <laughs> yeah. Great. Get it out of here. I don't right. care. And I don't even care if they came back to class and I could see that it was still in their pocket and they didn't put it in your locker. That's fine. At least when I see it again, I can call the office immediately and be like, they're breaking the rules. They have their phone in class. It was a clear thing. Yeah. Now it's become too loosey-goosey. It's this whole thing of like, they can have it on them, but we have to tell them to put it away. But it can still be out, and they can if they need to call their parents, they need to walk. In, it's way too complicated. That's why I put the red light and green light thing yeah. in my classroom of just like this is explicit. You can't have it out right now. But I had a day a couple weeks ago where it was like the phone revolt, where it was like they were like the revolutionaries in Cuba, like trying to overthrow everything. It was on a red light, and there was like seven of them without. And I just started picking up phones, and it was like. They were getting so mad. They're like, you can't do this to us. And I, I've, lit- I've stopped feeling bad about it because yeah. I'm just so, I'm so convinced. Well, I'm so convinced that it's bad for them. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so convinced that it's bad for them that it's like, you know, someone getting like a parent getting mad at their kid because they pull the cigarette out of their mouth and they throw it down the toilet. You know what I mean? It's like, it feels like that. It's like, I'm doing this cause I know it's bad for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, it's bad for you. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's the other thing too, is the kids know that it's not good for them. Like they can feel, they know what it does to their, their emotions mm-hmm. and their, you know, their well being. They know all of this stuff, but it's, it's like, okay, here's another thing, too, that I love about the phone thing. You got me on a subject. You got me on a topic. Okay. Good. Okay. So they phone, say yeah, it's a huge thing. They say that the, the act of getting notifications on your phone, the buzzing in your pocket, getting a notification on your phone, you would think it would release the same like receptors in your brain of like endorphins and serotonin of like when I eat a piece of chocolate or like when, you know, I'm, uh, you know, get a, a, a friendly note from my friend. No. Yeah. Do you know what part of your brain it acts on? It's the same part of your brain that uh, is triggered when you win a jackpot at a slot machine. It's the same part of your brain. It's the slot machine brain is what they call it. Okay. So when you see people in the casino, who are just pouring $100 after $100 after $100 in a slot machine, right? That's the same thing that's happening in your child's brain. When you're getting those likes, those notifications. When they're getting likes on Instagram. Okay. Mm. So, <laughs> so think about this. Okay. You wouldn't take your kid to a casino, give them $500, and just say, go have fun. 
horribly irresponsible thing to do, right? It's an incredibly irresponsible yep. thing to do. That's why we have age limits at casinos, right? You're doing that with your kid when you're giving them a phone and giving them a social media account. It's the same thing. It's the same addictive behavior. And, uh, you know, yeah. I feel really strongly about this. I can and, tell. Yeah, yeah. I feel very strongly about this. <laughs> so, I, it's something I've thought about, but you're, and yeah, you might you're have on the front lines seeing Dude, this I'm telling you. Okay, so, and you're going to have listeners to this podcast who are like, they're going to call me angry man yells yeah, at clouds, yeah, right? They're yeah. going to they're gonna say like, oh, this is, you know, just so outdated, even like boomer style talk. Okay, this is coming from a... 31 year old person that is in the school buildings. I've been in the school buildings for nine years. Okay. I'm a millennial. I grew up with this stuff too. I wasn't a native to it, but I'm an immigrant to it. And I grew up with this stuff too. And I'm telling you 16, 17 years old. That's when it's okay. When their brains are starting to be developed in for some of them, it should be a graduation present. Okay. Mm, yeah. You should graduate high school first. Before you, <laughs> yeah. And I feel that strongly about, and I don't care. I don't care yeah, if yeah. Uh, all of the incredible fans and listeners of this podcast tell me to go to hell. Fine. Tell me to go to hell. <laughs> Have your kids brains turned to scrambled egg and jello on your own time. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So what's besides the phones, we'll wrap up with this. What is something that you notice that, like on a personal level with some of these kids, what do they struggle with? And what did, cause I don't know if it, I mean, man, that's such a good question. I think the thing that I've seen change a lot because of the pandemic mm. is just their, their social lives are just totally different now. It's crazy. It's like this whole thing where, um, I've asked a lot of my kids, um, Cause there's so many, so many kids, I mean, obviously you have a counselor at your school, but some kids probably come to you for guidance cause you're. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I see all the time is just like, and I talk to kids about this is like, who are your friends? Like, who are your friends? And you need to think about who your friends are. And there's a difference between someone that you're around all the time and someone who's a friend to you. Yes. Um, there's this whole thing in our school building. You've probably heard the phrase snitches get stitches, yeah, right? Okay. Course. So, uh, Oh, this is a lot of rap music. Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> and so this, okay, here was the scenario I presented in my homeroom class. Cause I told her, I said, you know, I'm kind of sick of this, like snitches get stitches thing. Cause you started using that excuse for like a lot of like really bullshit reasons to yeah. like not tell the truth or like, or to not say something that they knew that they should have said. Okay. Yeah. They're using it as a crutch to basically like get out of things. Okay. And so I said, okay, here's the scenario that I'm going to give you guys. Okay. Say someone steals your friend's phone, kind of back on the phone thing, but I know the phone is the most valuable thing in their lives. Uh, say someone steals your friend's phone. Yeah. Okay. Say you know who stole your friend's phone. Would you tell your friend who took their phone? Would you out that person that stole your friend's phone? And the, the entire class said, no, I wouldn't. Why? Because that's snitching. I said, no, it's not. It's being a good friend. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. That's being a friend, right? Is If you, you... called the cops, no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you snitching. get the fuzz involved, that's one thing. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, uh, but I had that conversation with him and I was like, hey, you guys yeah. need to know something. Yeah. Friends stick up for each other. Yeah. Friends have each other's backs and friends would not let someone steal from them and just let it go. 
You wouldn't do that, right? right? Because that's not being a good friend, right? And I see stuff like that all the time where it's like, this person is my... They want to stay out of it. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like, they don't understand what a healthy friendship looks like. Like stuff like, uh, like they get in fights with the same person over and over and over and over again. Conflict, 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 conflict all the time. Mm -hmm. And talking to these kids like, why are you still like hanging out with this person? Well, they're my best friend. It's like, no, they're not. That person is not your best friend. That person's mean to you. That person puts you down. That person treats you bad. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's codependency. That's an abusive relationship, right? And I think a lot of this comes from the online thing too, though. Is like, these are the way these kids talk to each other online, where they're, they're nice to each other one day, and then they say something terrible to them on Instagram or Snapchat the next day. And they just go through these cycles of just like being built up, brought down, built up, brought down. And it like it finds its way into their social lives. And so something I talk to my students about all the time is just the fact that it's like, hey, if you guys are friends, like, why don't you spend some time together in the real world, not online, in the real world, Basically. doing something that friends do together, you know? Have you like, do you guys go to the movies anymore? Do you guys go to the mall and like hang out anymore? Do you guys, you know, like go to a park and like play like a pickup game of basketball, like stuff like that. Right. And so many of them are like, no, we don't do it. We don't do any of that stuff. Where do we hang out? Uh, we play, well, I play call of duty with my friend Chad. And then, you know, I, you know, get on snapchat and we have a group chat going and it's like that thing you know what i mean and i i remember here's the big thing that's changed since i was in middle school and this is going to make me sound super old but i don't care is is uh i grew up in an era where we didn't all have cell phones right no if i went out and my parents didn't get in touch with me middle school i did not have a cell phone i did not either and if i went out and my parents had to get in touch with me i would borrow my mom's cell phone or my dad's cell phone just so I would have a phone on me. But it wasn't my phone. It was their phone. Um, I never even got that. Yeah. A lot of kids did it. A lot of my <laughs> friends didn't even have access to that. No. But uh, and it was really just for the purpose of like security. Where security. are we dropping you security. off? Security. Where are we picking you up? Yeah, totally. But OK. And I know not everyone has this experience because, again, I grew up good family and also in junior high. I made like some really good friends and I know not everyone has this experience, but I did. I, I found some like really good friends when I was junior high. And so I remember the biggest thing for me when I was in junior high that I think like really helped me out get through that experience is like, I had these friends that I would sit and eat lunch with and we would go over to each other's houses on the weekends and we would go to the movies and we would go to the pool in the summers and we would, you know, play ping pong at Lauren's house and then we would go over to our friend Kara's house and we would do like a bonfire and like make s'mores and stuff it's like that's what we did like we spent time together Mm -hmm. and it wasn't uh and it was like uh not a cell phone in sight just people enjoying the moment it was that type of thing right and I think that's like the one thing that's changed even as adults we struggle with that we do yeah and that's a big thing too and it's like I have to remind myself all the time like Keep the phone in your pocket. Or here's the big thing I love doing nowadays is uh, I love plugging my phone into the charger and then just leaving the house without it. It's a beautiful, yeah. it's beautiful. I did that. I did that uh, the you other feel day. Slightly naked at first. I know. I like. Oh, okay. I did that the other day when I uh, I went and met a friend 
for uh, dinner and I just left my phone. It was nice. It was so nice. Yeah. You don't need it on you all the time. Uh, and the the other thing is too is I think there's a lot of going back to the comedy thing. I think there's a lot of people who think like I can't do stand up without like putting stuff on Instagram or like the Snapchat thing, which I like, I love that people put clips up. That's fine. That's all that stuff. But I always need to remind myself like, no, the, the stand up part is when you get up and you're on stage. Yeah. Like that's the part that's fun. That's the part that's matters. I used to be really obsessive about making sure I record everything all the time. Yeah. Not so much anymore. I like, I yeah. don't record stuff at mics. I don't record stuff at half the shows anymore because it's like, I don't want things to like take me out of the moment of like being yeah, on stage and doing it. I'll tell you this. I did the Englert last night. I sure as hell recorded that set. I had the camera set up yeah, but, yeah, like yeah. way before. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, you had to. But yeah, it's like, you're so right. It's like, we even, we struggle with that even as adults. I'm really glad that I do have like friends in my life though, who are, feel the same way as I do and who will sometimes will look at me and be like, Hey man, put the phone away. Let's talk. And I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah, Be in the moment. I might, I have this buddy of mine, Andrew, who will literally like take it out of my hands sometimes and like set it over here. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I Marshall doesn't even have a phone. I know, man. I'm actually super jealous of him <laughs> yeah. with that, too. Yeah. He was showing me shit on his iPad <laughs> the yeah. other day. I was like, your iPad? Yeah, he just carries okay, around. Okay, Grandpa. His, yeah, he says, look his iPad. He's like, I'm, he's like, I don't have a phone. I'm like, what? I know. By the way, my wife is going to have a good time listening to this podcast, if she does, because she gives me so much shit about being on my phone all the time. Oh, really? I'm, I'm not good at it, either. Yeah. I'm not, And I think that's also why I realize, like, okay, yeah. if I'm a grown 30 year old man right and i have a hard time with this like dude dude, it shouldn't be in the hands of a 12 year old it's just crazy yeah it's absolutely crazy yeah 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 recording for the clips uh i've caught myself doing that recently but it's like when you get something good that's like good tape it's like stuff it's like it doesn't have to be every set i tried to tell myself oh i'm recording it so i can watch it to see what i do some of it is, but some of it's like it's like okay, we need to chill with the clips, but also the clips are nice too. For another reason, and I forget about this reason, is for people who don't live around here that yes. don't see me. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's I've had a lot of I've had a lot of people, or that, I'll record a raw set because not I don't. Uh, I am not a clean comic, so I ha- can't put everything out there. Yeah, totally. So, because it takes a lot away from the bite of your material. If you yeah, and also I need my job. Yeah, (laughs) so I uh, don't post everything, but I'll have like some. I have some unlisted YouTube videos that I'll send to some friends Mm -hmm. or like even a couple coworkers because they're cool and they're like yeah, totally. Like yeah, you can blackmail me if you want, but whatever. Yeah. But they're cool, and they want to see me, and they live in, like, one of my friends lives in South Carolina. Like, she's... Yeah, totally. And I've, I've had yeah. friends... I've, I've had friends who live in Colorado or yeah. Oklahoma or Nebraska or Texas yeah. who've texted me, and they've said, they're like... like I want to see... Yeah, or they're, they're like, we're like, oh, I watched your video. That was really funny. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's nice to hear. Okay, can I tell... Or after a set, when you get those compliments. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's great. I love that. I love that. That's reassuring. Like, you, it makes you feel like... 
accomplish something. Like. Yeah, totally. It's it. That's a, a lot of times. I think that's the buzz that we're chasing. Actually, oh the yeah, affirmation more than sometimes. Even I even like, but if it's my friends, I don't believe them. But here's the deal. <laughs> I will say though, to me, I t- I take the audience over the affirmation every time. It's like if yeah, I have a set where reaction. everyone laughs, but no one talks to me afterwards. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's like because I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like know. the yeah. audience decides, the laughter decides. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you something too. On the topic of uh, clips and social media that we we're just talking about, I'm going to run this by you. This, you're the only okay. person that I've talked to about this. Okay. But I think you will give me good feedback on this. And I want you to hear me out first and then give me some feedback. All okay. Right. Hear good. me out. Um, I think I'm going to delete the TikTok. And I'm putting it out in the universe right now. All right. Okay? All right. I have a TikTok. I post clips on it. I post comedy on it. Okay. I think it's going away. And here's my reason for it. Okay. People only find out about my shows, things that I'm doing, actually keep up with what I'm doing through Instagram and Facebook. That's where I let people know what's going on. Yeah. Right? And the people who follow me on Instagram and the people I'm friends with on Facebook, those are the people who actually care whether or not I'm doing shows. Okay. The TikTok followers, I don't know 95% of those people. Okay. I don't know them. Okay. I had like three videos that blew up and got like over 50,000 views, which is nice, which is great. Has any of that ever contributed to a single person being at my show? No, never. Booking me, being on a show, ever. There are some people, though, like Heather Land that I performed with last night. It's like her. Is that where she blew up? I, I think it was Inst- I think it was Facebook and Instagram. Okay. She's got tons of followers on Facebook, yeah. but she's probably got a ton of followers on TikTok too. Yeah, um, probably. There's people like Heather Land where she it's hasn't like she used her Twitter since 2020 though, Actually. which is great. Which is great. She yeah. probably fi- do you know why she does that? She probably figured like I am about TikTok. Twitter does nothing for me. Facebook does everything for me. Twitter does nothing for me. And so yeah. that's why I'm at the place with the TikTok is yeah. like I think it's a waste I of time. Uh, well I think I'm keeping it because I because everyone else is doing TikTok. Is, is I'm just trying to do what everyone else is doing, and it's actually not helping you the comedy stick with at what's all. Working, yes, totally. And so I think it goes away. Like Schlichting, big on TikTok. Yes, exactly. And he's really good at it. Yeah, and he's really good at it. He got a. He, the algorithm is well, not. It's not always on his side. I talked to him the other day, actually. Yeah. He, he had he had one blow up again. And it yeah. Was the the cat food. Yes. The cat litter one. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Chris is, and Chris's TikToks. Are, and I'm not dissing TikTok altogether. I'm just talking about myself. Yeah. Chris does a great job. They're really funny. They're really good. But the thing with me that I've just learned is just like, hey, I've had a lot of people. We're almost done. Thank you. We're almost done. Thank you. Appreciate you. But I think a lot of people. Here, I'll throw his banana in here. Just so I can finish. Give us a little bit. Uh, but I think oh. for a lot of people, the TikTok thing is good because it's a way for them to show a creative side of them that works with what they're doing but it's just like the fact that it's like i've had a lot of people come up to me after a show and be like yeah i saw it on instagram that's why i'm here i saw you post something or i saw something on a facebook event or like you put out like you boosted a facebook ad or you invited me to this event something like that that's why i'm here i don't want to i'm telling you dude i haven't posted a tiktok video your audience is definitely more of a facebook instagram instagram audience that's the thing i'm figuring out too and the thing that i'm figuring out too is just like like you don't have to be on every platform you can choose one platform and it's like that's the thing i I want to do stuff on yeah it's like and i because i figured out that about i figured that out about my twitter like 
a couple years ago or last year where I was like, why am I posting shows on Twitter? My Twitter doesn't. No matter. one follows. No one is following me on Twitter for my Twitter. Now, people like Brody Stanford. Brody's got a great Twitter. Oh, he does? Yeah, he does. He's gotten a I'll lot of followers. Out. He gets like, you know, every tweet that he puts out there gets like 20 to 30 likes, which is a lot for Twitter, yeah. right? And he gets, good, uh, he gets those impressions. Yeah, exactly. Hey, buddy, you want to say something? <laughs> yeah. You just want attention. Okay. Here, give him his banana. He'll cuddle banana? up right next to you. Okay. We're good. There you go. <laughs> is that all you wanted this whole time? Is you just want to call into cuddle that's with all you? you needed to do, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're just gonna hear my shit too on the uh podcast the whole time. It'll but no, I I don't know. Okay. So having heard that. That makes sense. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> it makes sense. I'm doing it right now. Do it I'm, right gonna now. Do, I'm doing it on the podcast. You're going to delete the... You're gonna delete the I'm d- deleting the TikTok on the podcast. You're not even going to deactivate. You're going to delete it. No, it's going away. I don't even know how to delete it, actually. I might have to deactivate it <laughs> it's first. In settings, I'm sure. Okay. I think I've seen the option, actually. I haven't done it. Oh, it must have heard me... It must have heard me talking because... Uh, Did it give you a free boost? Right when I... Right when I... <laughs> Right when I logged in, it was like, you got eight new followers <laughs> since last time you logged into this. I'm like, oh, gosh. Uh, no. no, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. It's Do stupid. It. Settings. Uh, that's uh count. I noticed that with uh, there was a, there's a comedian I follow that I I can't say I opened for because it was like a guest spot. So I didn't open for because I got to watch how I say that. Um, but uh, her name's Jeannie Dugan. I don't know if you've heard that name before. Um, she did a, she did a spot at, uh, the comedy bar. Yeah. And, uh, they needed a, a, a guest spot done for, and for that night. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, and I didn't know who she was. Um, are you someone? Um, and, uh, I connected with her and she posted something on Facebook the other day and she was just like, you're going to see a lot. If you want to see my stuff, go to Instagram. Cause that's where everything seems to be right now. And she's just going straight that's great yeah that's awesome yeah delete this account she's like like, if you want to see stuff want to see clips go there that's it that's awesome i love that yeah that why does it need to be more complicated i've even gotten like i haven't done a lot of them but i've posted a few shorts on youtube because i'm like oh shorts are popping off because they're trying to compete with uh tiktok and instagram and i've had a couple like get like a few thousand I've never been able to get over like a on Instagram though. Instagram is definitely where it's at. Yeah, man. Well, the I've had th- a few pop off like or the stupid ice bath video, which was hilarious because uh, I because I flooded my bathroom. <laughs> Did you see that video? I haven't. Oh, I'll show it to you. It's great. Sounds like a great story. It wasn't though. funny at the time, but I knew it would be funny later, so I posted it. Um and. Everybody laughed at me, which is great because I th- I laughed at me too. All right, we could all laugh at me together, and that popped off on Instagram. Like, got not ridiculous. We got fifteen thousand, which is great. Yeah, but yeah. that is great. Yeah, and I've had a few clips do the same thing. Yeah, TikTok. I have yet to have anything go over like two thousand. Well, but you know, the and other it thing has is a, too is like, and the engagement is not there. Yeah, and the the other thing is too is like I've noticed with the TikTok thing is like. When something does pop off, like even in the best case scenario, when it goes viral, okay. Um, I would like to talk to Schlichting to see what if he's had any like. 
I'm sure Schlichting, he's got a big enough following and yeah. he has enough things blow up where I'm sure he gets a lot of people at shows because they saw him on TikTok. I, I, I really want to ask him though. I have no doubts about that. Yeah. But um, for me personally, it's just like, it's either I'm not there yet or it's gone. It's, it's I gone. just deleted it's it. It's gone. Good. You've heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. On this podcast. Uh, but I'm so glad I talked that through with you. You just inspired me, Colin. Hey. <laughs> it's something I've been trying to th- I've thought about like what do I need to focus on more I don't because I'm such a nerd when it comes to social media because I love the marketing aspect of it and I'm like you need to be on everything but you're right you don't you don't have you to, be to be on be everything. where the people are where the yes. people are going to pay attention and yeah engage. exactly and I think I, I think the good thing and also is for like yourself found like out and fe- overdoing yeah exactly it's just like it's exhausting at a certain point but it's like the one thing the one thing I'm good at on, on social media is I'm good at like posting that one thing about either a show that I'm doing or something down the road or something like posting that one thing and then like updating my story every once in a while to like show those things too. Yeah, it's like one of the only things I know how to do yeah, and like stories do well. are really popping off. Yeah. It's helpful. Um, but everything else, it's kind of exhausting to me. Honestly, it feels like work. The yeah. Instagram thing feels easy to me. Yeah. And it's like, it feels like I can do this. I can do this quickly. It gets people interested. It gets people engaged and also gets it off of my plate and out of my hair. Mm-hmm. You know, the TikTok thing, it's a little too much, and I and I don't see a lot of like return for what I put into it. So I just deleted it. It's gone. It's gone. Forever. Sorry about all of you followers yeah. out there. My middle school students are going to be very disappointed because they rip on you. Well, yeah, they watch. That's how they find my comedy is on TikTok. I don't care. <laughs> you're not coming to the shows. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, not, you're thirteen. You're not. <laughs> yeah, you're, not. you're not. It's not for. You're not telling your parents. This is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this has been a fun podcast, by the way. Yeah, dude, it's a good time. I love doing it in a different setting too, because I haven't got out of the out of my podcast room in a while. And, and the re- the reason I got the setup I did was so I could move around with it. And it's the first time I was able to do it, and we were pretty successful. We had a special guest, George Michael. George Michael made his George, voice. George Michael is that from Arrested Development? Okay. Yeah, there's a little, but it's like a little bit of both because the George Michael and Arrested Development. And the, it, like his name's George Michael because of George Michael. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that's the joke. Um, how, how old is he? Uh, he's what? How old are you, bud? Two and a half years. Oh, that explains. Okay. He's, he's a puppy. Yeah. He's born on the 4th of July too. Nice. Like Tom Cruise in that movie. <laughs> My uh, nephew is actually due on the 6th. Oh, nice. First nephew. That's great. First any like I first time being an uncle uncle you'll love it man being an uncle's the most fun dude it'll be great i got a six-year-old niece and a three-year-old nephew and dude. they're just awesome yeah dude. yeah it's gonna be awesome my niece is like my favorite person in the world i can hang out with that kid all day these kids are comic kids are comedy man dude yeah they're funny because they're so raw they just say whatever the whatever comes up yeah man no filter it's fun well i appreciate it man uh Appreciate the good coffee, too. Yeah. That's always nice. Make a French press for you. Hell yeah. That's actually one of the few devices I don't have. I've been getting really into coffee. I have, like, the AeroPress. Oh, have you done a, a, a Chemex pour over yet? Not yet. My Dude, brother's next, big on that. Next time you come, into the, come to the house, I'll make you a pour over. You'll love it. Yeah. It's my favorite way of making coffee. I don't do it very often because it's the most time-consuming. Is it? It just takes a while, you know, because you have to... 
You have to slowly pour the water over, and then you got to wait. Oh, you got to wait for it to do like, its thing. Do its thing, and then you got to do more water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's fun. Yeah, it's a good time. Well, yeah. Have you done the AeroPress yet? I it's have similar, done an AeroPress. It's a similar concept. It's really, it's really nice, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a very smooth cup of coffee. I've never owned an AeroPress of my own, though, so I'd love to. I check got that one out. as a, I got one as a gift. I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, most of the time we're very just like Mr. Coffee, coffee pot oh, yeah. person. But when someone's coming over and they want coffee, I'll make a French press. Yeah, I use an espresso machine. When espresso machine, nice. Yeah, I have a cheaper one because I like an espresso. No, a little bit, bit more advanced than that. Uh, it was like 160 bucks. Like it does the double shot pour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I use that. Um, but yeah, now I've just been using the AeroPress though. That sounds nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I actually, um, I'm used to, I could drink any kind of coffee though. Cause, uh, when you're in recovery, you go to recovery meetings and they make, oh, yeah, it's coffee. They, they make just, it's just like mud. It's horrible. It's church uh, coffee. Yeah. yeah. The church coffee. Church it's the same co- difference. Yeah. It's the, the actually big that old... church right up the street. Yeah. I've been to a meeting there before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big old percolator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those are yeah, hilarious. Big... Oh, it yeah. tastes just so burnt and bitter. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. But, but it, and you drink it out of a styrofoam cup. And oh yeah, they have the the powdered creamer, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's part of me that loves that though. Yeah. I, I know that I know the coffee's gonna be bad, but I'll do it anyway. I love making coffees at coffee at meetings because I make it strong as shit. Yeah, you have to have to always make your coffee strong. Always. Yeah. Nobody see. wants a weak ass cup of coffee. No, no, you will hear about it. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Did your wife go run errands or something? Or I think she's been cleaning and doing chores upstairs and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I was like, didn't even hear anything. We'll pop up and say hello before she leaves. She might be taking a nap right now, actually. She joined me for a lot of the shows the past few days, so she's tired, too, I think. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. It was a long week. All right. Well, I guess you want to get on the camera? George. <laughs> All hey, right, buddy. I'm going to sign off. <laughs> You're signing off with us, George Michael. Signing off with us. Until next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Modern Day Overthinker Podcast. This is George Michael, my special guest host. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, George Michael. You were a good guest host, buddy.